is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. On this, the 40th anniversary of Epcot, I feel well to ask the question, just what is Epcot? For most every Disney fan out there, the answer is experimental prototype community of tomorrow. We explore what that means and what its implication is to the world we live in today. Beyond the idea of a physical city or an eventual World's Fair style experience, I believe that Epcot is more than a brick and mortar theme park. In this Disney at Work episode, I want to consider the notion that Epcot constitutes a permanent message and celebration of ideas for a better world. We'll even see examples of that play out in recent new attractions like Remy's Ratatouille Adventure and Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Join us as we celebrate Epcot's 40th anniversary with a treatise on the universal themes regarding a community of tomorrow. Remember to also check out DisneyAtWork.com as well as DisneyAtPlay.com. Subscribe so that you can be notified of upcoming uh, podcasts. And if you have a chance, please check out uh, your local subscriber and leave a positive rating or review if you could, uh, particularly if you are on iTunes. It helps this, the, uh, the littlest podcast that could um, to, uh, to get a little bit more reach out there. Now, as a prelude, Epcot is 50 years old this last week. However, I wanted to start um, 40 years old. I'm sorry, Epcot is 40 years old this week, but I wanted to start start 50 years ago. Um, most people recall their first trip to Epcot, and some remember being there in the first few days when the park opened. But my first experience with this notion of Epcot came years earlier. Just before Christmas in 1973, I walked into the Broadway department store at the Phoenix, Arizona Metro Center Mall and discovered The Art of Walt Disney by Christopher Finch on the shelves. I begged my parents as a young 12-year-old for the book, which, as I remember, retailed expensively back then for $55. Other than socks, I do not recall receiving anything else that year under the tree uh, but that gift, but that was a lot of money for my parents to spend. But oh, how I cherished reading that book. My favorite pages were the ones that focused on the parks and about a unique concept called Epcot. At that time, the idea to still build a community with homes, businesses, and schools was pretty much where the company had been. By the time I wrote uh, Walt Disney World as a young teen asking for more information, the project had evolved. I still have press releases from that time uh, that talked about Epcot opening in 1979. At the moment, I didn't quite understand what it all meant. It, it discussed what was then a future world theme center described as a core, central core or plaza where visitors would be introduced to multiple ideas and concepts of Epcot. It also outlined plans for an international village of 30 nations side by side in a semi-circular structure. 
Of course, that was planned back then to be built by the Ticket and Transportation Center. Um, it would establish something not a whole lot bigger in size than the Interventions Plaza we know or came to know later on. So when I walked into the park years later, clearly the concept had changed. I remembered my first trip to Walt Disney World with my wife in 1988. As our bus drove into Epcot from the new Caribbean Beach Resort, we could see the colorful geodesic dome at twilight in the distance. The excitement of walking through there that first evening was so amazing. We experienced Spaceship Earth and the world of motion, but I especially remembered the theme from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Indeed, what is clear about Epcot is that it has always been in a state of dreaming and doing, and it still serves the same important purpose that it did initially. Card Walker, then CEO of Walt Disney Productions, noted back in the 1970s, quote, in an important sense, Epcot and World Showcase will become a forum where creative men and women of science, industry, government, and the arts from around the world can present new ideas and technology. Epcot will bring together the best thinking by men and women from the world's creative centers of industry, government, university, and the arts. That best thinking is what I think Epcot is all about, not in some kind of uh, paper that was perhaps written about um, 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 marine life or the varieties of um, seeds in a garden. But uh, I mean, you won't walk away from Epcot with new solutions and biosynthesis, solar energy, or even world peace. You will, however, walk away with ideas for your own world, office, or home. You can be inspired because presented are notions on things like communication, time management, teamwork and collaboration, concepts around creativity and innovation, ideas about how one might set goals and put them into action. And all those themes, if you look closely, are presented not in some ordinary academic exercise, but in the context of the attractions, heritage, and themes of Epcot itself. That's why I find the park immensely curious and challenging and, and, and enjoyable, because I see these themes beyond the layers of the brick and mortar. I think uh, Epcot is an opportunity to see nuggets of truth and and and, and perhaps I ought to go back to uh, back to uh, the last few words of Christopher Finch's book. Quote, what a wonderfully ironic notion it is that in this turbulent century, urban man might just possibly be saved by a mouse. End of quote. I think there's truth to all of that. Um, and so let me just take you to the Epcot of today. There's nothing quite like it. It's silver geodesic sphere at the front. It's assortment of futuristic attractions and exhibits. It's a collection of countries all coming together. So different than anything 
Disney has ever created. And frankly, Walt had initially conceived exactly being so above and beyond any other visitor attraction created on the planet. When you think about where the concept of Epcot came, how it came to be, you have to go back to what Walt once said, quote, I've got lots of ideas. I haven't worked them out and I haven't proved them out. I carry ideas around my head for a long time, end of quote. In my opinion, I think Epcot is full of ideas, ideas that continue to, to pour out uh, to guests who come and visit them. In truth, the ideas that Walt referenced came from many sources. Consider for a moment that Walt Disney and his wife were staying in the home of his daughter and son-in-law babysitting their grandchildren. They awoke early one morning to the sound of trash collectors making their rounds in the alley behind them. It made Walt sit up and wonder why trash had to be collected in that manner. So, it's no wonder when the Magic Kingdom opened in 1971 that Disney invested so heavily in an AVAC, Automated, automated Vacuum Assisted Collection. It's a trash collection system with refuge funneled underground in pneumatic tubes to a central collection point. If you've ever been in the Utilidor, it's, it's quite noisy because the ice uh, from leftover drinks makes a lot of noise against the, the, the walls of the tube. At any rate, in fact, there were many technological achievements that came into being even before Epcot Center, as it would be called at first, opened its gates. They included first a, a water management system, some 43 miles of winding drainage canals and innovative flood control gates, which frankly were uh, very critical to Disney managing the storm last week. Fiber optics. America's first fiber optic telephone system actually came from Disney. Wastewater treatment centers, channels of water hyacinths at Walt Disney World removed 90% of the suspected particles from wastewater effluent. Energy innovations. Disney's central energy plant was also one of the first in the United States to house boilers and absorption chillers that utilize exhaust heat, benefiting air conditioning, hot water, and heating for the parks and resort hotels. Urban basement, nine acres of utility corridors underneath the Magic Kingdom, and then later at Epcot. Peter Blake, architectural editor of New York Magazine exclaimed, quote, city planners all over the world have for decades dreamed of urban basements like the one at Walt Disney World, end of quote. Mass transportation, linear induction vehicles, or the people mover, and 14.7 lane miles worth of monorails that handle over 50 million people a year. DAX, the digital animation control systems provided for the Magic Kingdom and later at Epcot, central, a centralized location to maintain computer systems all in one location. Such were the advances made when Walt Disney World originally opened. So impressive was the experience that David Brinkley during those opening days noted, um, quote, it is the most imaginative and effective piece of urban planning in America. With a monorail gliding behind him, Brinkley added, quote, all fit together better than any other urban environment in America, 
end of quote. That was the kind of tribute Walt would have loved to have heard because it was his intent to build a better physical community, not just simply create the world's largest vacation resort. That's why Walt chose to call it Epcot, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow, and he purchased enough real estate to build an entire city. However, in the wake of Walt's passing, his leadership team was overwhelmed by the notion of building a city from the ground up. They had successfully implemented innovative technologies, but they hadn't put them on display. As Imagineer Marty Sklar put it, quote, what was lacking was a public focus for new ideas and concepts, a center for the communication of new possibilities for the future directly to the public. For them, end of quote, for them, they drew inspiration from their combined efforts to create four major attractions for the New York World's Fair back in the 1960s, sponsored by major um, corporations. They created great moments with Mr. Lincoln, also the Carousel of Progress with General Electric, the Magic Skyway for Ford, and which included dinosaurs that you now see at Disneyland, and and at one point, the similar ones at, at the Universe of Energy, and It's a Small World for Pepsi-Cola. Rebuilding the Epcot experience into an Epcot Center with a World's Fair theme seemed to make sense for management. After all, World's Fair have always World's fairs have always centered around new technology and also international themes. In fact, even as Epcot Center was being readied, many of the sponsors of that 1964 New York World's Fair were called upon to sponsor the pavilions down in Florida. By the day of its dedication, Card Walker, CEO and chairman of the board for Walt Disney Productions, read the following, quote, Epcot is inspired by Walt Disney's creative vision. Here, human achievements are celebrated through imagination, wonders of enterprise, and concepts of a future that promises new and exciting benefits for all. May Epcot Center entertain, inform, and inspire, and above all, may it instill a new sense of belief and pride in man's ability to shape a world that offers hope to people everywhere. Well, end of quote. Did Epcot achieve its ambitions? In terms of a city designed as Walt had originally imagined it, no. Later, it did go on to build celebration that stands as an active community, but in the spirit of compromise, Epcot has truly taken its place as, quote, a showcase to the world for the ingenuity and imagination of American free enterprise. I think that's where our chapter comes today. It's little surprise that today's Epcot is not one idea, but really more than a gathering of many independent ideas into one great whole. Ideas that came over time and became what we know as Epcot today, that's true of any inspired idea. Often it comes from many different sources. Now let's think about some of those ideas because those ideas are what, as Card Walker had said, 
provide inspiration for me, that enlighten me and make me think beyond the borders of my backyard. Little ideas like the following, you may recognize some of them. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship, our planet has sailed through the universe of time. And for a brief moment, we have been among its passengers. Think about that quotation from Spaceship Earth. Think about the fact that it really suggests our role on this planet and how incredible this planet truly is and how fortunate we are to be individuals that live on this planet. In another quotation, energy, there is no living without you. We must keep learning about you. That, of course, is from the original universe of energy. But there is some thought in that wonderful lyric. You know what? Energy is critical. And I'm not just referring to the lights that, that turn on every day. The energy and the capacity that we have to go and do and build and become, that is something we need to learn more about and become better at. Here's another one. Do all you've wanted to do. It's fun to be free. That one was from the original um, World of Motion, a little song that was penned by the Sherman brothers. Uh, and it suggests that, hey, with our inventions, with our creations, in that case, the automobile, we expand our ability to do things of our choosing, to become what we want to become. Here's another one from the Sherman Brothers. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart of all creation. That song I, is probably one of my favorites because it invites me to think and, um, and to imagine and to create and to, and to go outside of my own little box. In another, land, in another pavilion, we think of the lyric, we must listen to the land. Um, well, those are good ideas. Ideas that, frankly, we need to think about in the global times that we are at. Finally, I think everyone's favorite quotation from Epcot, if you can dream it, you can do it. Not a quotation from Walt Disney. Quotation actually uh, believed to have been from a woman who worked marketing for General Electric that uh, was in a, a little brochure that um, was part of what um, built that initial attraction or what gave uh, information or insight to that attraction. But, but it doesn't matter where it comes from. It's a great quotation. And it suggests two phases. Um, and, and that phase is kind of at the heart of Epcot. Epcot invites you to see the dreams of mankind. Whether futuristic or global, they invite you to think of new possibilities and ideas. Ideas that you can then take and apply to your own, to your own world. Well, we're all familiar with these expressions played out by some of the ex some really great attractions over the years. But even though some of the rides and exhibits have moved on, the concepts are still very much alive.
Let me just suggest, for instance, Spaceship Earth. Spaceship Earth is really an amazing attraction that offers a lot of ideas. I'll come back to that later on. But when you see Spaceship Earth, when you see that geodesic dome, what really comes to your mind? What do you think of when you see that, that building? Let me go next door in the meantime to a new attraction. Some people think because Disney's IP is all over the place with uh, characters from their movies and films that maybe Epcot has lost some of its, its glow and, and purpose. I want to suggest some very different ideas in two very new attractions at Epcot. At Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, the people of Xandar welcome all Terrans, which means Earthlings, to the wonders of Xandar Pavilion at Epcot, where the culture and technology of Xandar can be showcased. As two civilizations that evolved through the same Big Bang movement moment, Zandarians see the futuristic possibilities for Terrans, for us, and offer exhibits and models of the history and culture of the capital of the Nova Empire. They do so because they see our possibilities and see that by showcasing and um, by imparting their knowledge, they see possibility in the future of our civilization. So as part of their showcase, they invite Terrans to be teleported to a Nova ship and to see how the cosmic generator, a particular piece of technology, creates jump holes that allows, um, that allows Zandarians to move quickly through time and space. They see the possibilities for us as Terrans, as Earthlings, and are eager to share their insights with all of us. Now, during this time, another uh, celestial uh, known as Isan appears. He has a different view of life on Earth. Isan has been watching Earth for eons and now intends to take over the cosmic generator to jump back in time and change the course of humanity on Earth. He sees Terrans, us, and life as we know on Earth as a total waste with no future possibilities. Therefore, he seeks to move the planet Earth back in time and essentially just start all over. The Guardians of the Galaxy are brought in to figure out a solution. The answer is to have us in escape shuttles distract Isan while they try to take back the cosmic generator. What then occurs is a moment when, like the Big Bang, we are placed in a cosmic rewind in an effort to fight Isan. Along with the Guardians and a fleet of Nova Corps Star Blasters, we retrieve the cosmic generator, defeat Isan, and return through the necessary jump holes back to the present. Now, I know that that is um, seemingly a very... Um, different kind of experience, but in truth, it brings out some important notions. It brings out important notions of how we view our life, our view our world around us. Do we see it pessimistically as 
something that really is just a disaster waiting to happen, something that should have been just erased and started all over? Or do we see the possibilities that if we partner with others, we can, we can create new, new ways to take our world to, to a better place? I think that's kind of at the heart of what I see, um, what I see as um, as as the, the the key message of this attraction. By the way, like uh, Walt Disney's original film on Epcot, which he made shortly before his passing, the exhibits and models in the queue of Guardians of the Galaxy speak of topics like transportation links and networks, power sources that can be regenerated, creating a hub for advanced technology, the establishment of green zones, the connection with water as a source of life, the circulation of products and services, agriculture and food development possibilities, and providing for a diverse population. In short, solutions that could create a big, um, well, let's just say when you really listen um, to the messages of these exhibits, you really see the doability of making our world better. It's a positive and optimistic uh, depiction that invites us as Terrans to make our world better. It aligns with what Abraham Lincoln said, quote, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Or, as Horizons put it, if you can dream it, then uh, you can do it. It's these themes that make Epcot so attractive. Uh, let me give another example here. This one takes its cue from Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Of course, it's based on the Pixar film Ratatouille. The presence or the premise of the film is that anyone can cook. During the original film, Gusto explains this. He says, "You must be imaginative, strong-hearted. You must try things that may not work, and you must not let anyone define your limits." because of where you come from. Your only limit is your soul. So what I say is true. Anyone can cook, but only the fearless can be great. Well, can if anyone can cook, can anyone lead? If we believe that leadership is not held by one in charge, if we believe that leadership is something that everyone can personally manifest, then we could take the organization to new levels, not from a too many chefs in the kitchen mentality, but rather from a place where people respond in their own personal sphere. So it is with any workplace setting. Consider what that looks like in your own situation. See how you can create a workplace where anyone can lead. You know, there's another quotation from that film uh, it, quote, in many ways, this is, by the way, given by the, um, the, uh, the critic uh, that visits the restaurant and is highly critical of the restaurant to begin with. Um, and he eventually um, dines on the, uh, the ratatouille food and so forth. At any rate, he goes to say, quote, in many ways, the work of a critic is easy. 
we risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and their selves to our judgment. We thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and to read. But the better truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. But there are times, and by the way, let me just stop on that and say, substitute, like I said, just in the same way I said anyone can cook, anyone can lead, substitute the idea of taking out the word critic and putting in the word manager. In essence, the work of a manager is easy. We risk very little yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and their selves to our judgment. We thrive on negative criticism, which is fun um, to deliver. But the better truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the um, or that ma managers must face, is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism as managers. So I guess what I'm trying to say is what I do when I'm at Epcot is I think beyond, beyond the actual fact that there's little rats growing around and we're following around in a ride vehicle, I think about these notions and these ideas and how they are a reflection of things we can take and learn from in our own lives. Um, he then goes on, the critic goes on to say, last night I experienced something new, an extraordinary meal from a singularly unexpected source. To say that both the meal and its maker have challenged my preconceptions about fine cooking is a gross understatement. They have rocked me to my core. In the past, I have made no secret of my disdain for Chef Gusteau's famous motto, anyone can cook. But I realize, only now do I truly understand what he meant. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. It is difficult to imagine more humble origins than those of the genius now cooking at Gusteau's, who is, in this critic's opinion, nothing less than the finest chef in France. I will be returning to Gusteau's, Gusteau's soon, hungry for more. Now again, take the ideas of cooking and culinary arts and put it toward leadership. To say that this individual has challenged my preconceptions about leadership is a gross understatement. They have rocked me to my core. In the past, I made no secret of my disdain for the motto, anyone can lead. But I realize now, do I truly understand what he meant? Not everyone can become a great leader, but a great leader can come from anywhere. Do you see? That's, that's the magic of Epcot, is that you can look at experiences like this and see and see ideas and notions, not again about a ride or attraction, but just some amazing, amazing concepts that really come forward. I mentioned Spaceship Earth earlier. What do I see when I see that geodesic dome? Well, I see many themes that play out. More than thanking the Phoenicians for the alphabet and the Egyptians for creating a way of keeping track of our taxes, I see an evolution of mankind that spins upward and onward, from Islamic scholars who guard scarce writings to 
the Renaissance, where a printing press or technology guides the way to an expression of life's meaning. All of it is fascinating and impressive. Take Michelangelo sitting on his back trying to paint the frescoes, those works of art. I'm reminded when I see that, even though he is depicted alone, in truth, he alone did not paint that creation. It was a team effort. He is a visionary, but no different than Walt Disney, who himself never created a cartoon alone, but brought together artists to make it happen. In Michelangelo's case, it was a team of, I think, about 13, 14, 18 people who all worked together to create that masterpiece. So it is with any masterpiece that's created. It is not a singular work, but it is the work of many. I am inspired by what can happen in a garage as seen in the latter 20th century um, depiction of the attraction. Apple did begin in a garage, but so did Hewlett Packard and Mattel Toys and Disney. Great things can happen in really modest places. And I find that message inspiring and applicable. Moreover, I am brought to remember the man who created the notion of a geodesic dome. That individual was Buckminster Fuller. Years ago, this young man once held the potential of being one of the great inventors of the 20th century. He was accepted and rejected by Harvard twice, being too eccentric in his thinking, not to mention in his partying. Something of a wild lad on the side, he failed his wife and children and was a heavy drinker. His daughter, Alexandra, at one point was very sick at the age of six with polio and spinal meningitis. The story is told that one day, wanting to go to a football game, he promised his daughter he would bring home, bring home later a, f a flag from the game and to celebrate her birthday. Three days later, he finally returned home. When he arrived, his wife told him not to waste time apologizing to her, but to go and see his daughter directly. The girl had taken a turn for the worse. The man picked up his daughter. She asked her dad if he had brought the flag. He had forgotten. The disappointment on her face was what he saw as she passed away in his arms. Depression followed. He resigned from the Navy where he had formerly been successful. He was out of work over a number of years in time, the man considered suicide. He made the decision that he would end his life. But then he heard a voice and that voice said, you do not have the right to end your life. It is not yours to end. Your life has purpose. You have not yet done what you have come here to do. That was the pivot on which he claimed his life turned. The one-time loser entered a period of such deep reflection that he was struck silent, then emerged bursting with creativity as he developed what he referred to as the Damaxian 
inventions, technologies that he promised would transform housing, transportation, urban organization, and eventually the human condition. He would describe that turnaround as follows, quote, something hit me very hard once, thinking about what one little man can do. Think of the Queen Mary. The whole ship goes by and then comes the rudder. And there's a tiny thing at the edge of the rudder called a trim tab. It's a miniature rudder. Just moving around the little trim tab builds a low pressure that pulls the larger rudder around. Takes no, almost no effort at all. So I said that the little individual can be a trim tab. Society thinks it's going right by you, that it's left you altogether. But if you're doing dynamic things mentally, the fact is that you can just put your foot out like that and the whole big ship of state is going to go. If ever someone wanted to write my epitaph, I would want to say, call me Trim Tab. Well, some 28 books and some 47 honorary degrees later, the man succeeded as a theorist, architect, engineer, designer, inventor, and futurist. You know him as the man who conceived Spaceship Earth. But only one label is found next to his name on the gravestone. R. Buckminster Fuller, call me Trim Tab, stated the man many called Bucky. Quote, when I thought about steering the course of Spaceship Earth and all of humanity, I saw most people trying to turn the boat by pushing the bow around. I saw that by being all the way at the tail of the ship, by just kicking my foot to one side or the other, I could create the low pressure that would turn the whole ship. End of quote. So when you walk by Spaceship Earth, and in fact, when you go through all of Epcot, know that the man who not only conceived the architectural form of that geodesic masterpiece, but had named it as well, learned during his life what he came here to do. And so it must be for all of us. We must learn what we came here to do, and then we must go on doing it. That is the spirit of Epcot. That is why Epcot is so really, truly amazing. And if you take the time to really take back the layers, do something more than visit every booth, but really, or every ride and attraction, but really see it for what it is, you can see possibilities that can inspire you for a lifetime. And to me, that is Epcot. After all, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you for joining me for this Disney at Work podcast. I hope you see the messages in this story and I hope they have meaning to you. I hope that your day and week ahead is imaginative and creative and wonderful. And in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.